From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Chances are you don't know, don't know where to find it. It's, it's, it's hard to find your heartbeat, right? Sometimes you've got to push a little hard on the neck there or on the wrist. But once you find the heartbeat, that heartbeat tells you something. That heartbeat tells you that there is life in your life. Where there is no heartbeat, there is no life, right? Some of you are like, maybe I should make an appointment with my doctor this week because I can't find it. Um, but the heartbeat tells us that there's, there's life flowing through your body, right? It's life flowing through your body. It tells you that your heart is functioning. If it's not there, that means your heart has stopped functioning and you will slowly stop functioning yourself, hopefully not this morning or ever soon. Um, the heart is central to human life. For those of you who don't know, biologically speaking, the heart pumps blood throughout our entire body, which carries oxygen and nutrients throughout our body, also carries away carbon dioxide and other toxins. Um, it's central to human life. It, it beats 115 on average, 115,000 times a day, your heart beats. It's 2.5 billion times in your lifetime. It carries, I think it's 200 gallons worth of blood throughout your body uh, every day to 75 trillion cells. If you, if you take that number, 75 trillion, that's more money than that exists in the entire world today. The heart is central to human life. It's the size of your fist. It weighs less than a pop can, probably one of the smaller muscles in your body, but is an incredibly vital part of your body because of what it do, does. It doesn't only beat at random. Your heartbeat has an, a keen sense of rhythm, a keen sense of rhythm. It can sync up to the music you listen to. So if you're listening to slow music, often it can slow down your heartbeat. If the music starts pumping, your heart can start moving a little bit faster. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You get a little exhausted after this. You're like, oh, man, that was just powerful. Because uh, heart, your heart's going. Your heart's syncing up. It can even, studies show, it can even sync up with someone that you love when you're near them. Isn't that cool? That's just amazing to me. That's amazing to me. It is key to life. Where there is no heartbeat, there is no life. In the same matter of speech, the heartbeat of this church is key to there being life in this church. The heartbeat of this church, what our heart beats for is a local church body, what pumps through our local church body's veins is important and integral to there being life in this church. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some things that our heart beats for as a church, specifically four purposes that we believe will drive life through this local church in this series called Heart for the House. Are you with me so far? With me so far? Yeah. Well, let's pray one last time. Let's believe that when I share, that God can speak to you still, like he has been speaking this morning, and that we can leave here changed. The Bible says don't just be doers of the word. Don't, or sorry, just don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So we're going to be changed by the word. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we can gather once again. We're just blessed by your presence here, God, with us. Thankful for freedom that we can do this freely. Mindful that there's those, God, across the globe who are gathering this morning and can't. And so we pray for them as we did this morning in the rally. God, we just pray that as we open up your word, God, that as we talk about things that our hearts beat for as a church, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, you'd speak to our spirits, that we'd be transformed, God. We'd be engaged a little bit more in what you're doing and what you're saying at Parkway Church. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Whether you, uh, whether you like it or not, we are all on a spiritual journey. We're all on a spiritual journey. You can't escape it because the Bible says we've been created in the image of God and that God has put eternity in our hearts. And so whether you are successful on that spiritual journey or not, you are on one. You are chasing purpose. 
You are chasing meaning. You are chasing fulfillment. And along the way, if we want to be successful in the spiritual journey, we need road signs, right? We need directions. We need targets to shoot for in order to move along that journey in the way that God attends. Now, here's what the Bible says, and this will serve as kind of like a theme verse for this series. Proverbs 29, 18 is going to be on the screen there for you. This is the NASB version. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, look at somebody and say, no vision. Now, for those of you that have a strong prescription um, glasses, you'll know that when you're not wearing those strong prescription glasses, you don't see very well, right? You stumble around, it's, you know, you get a little disoriented maybe, you know, you're, you maybe depending on the prescription, the strength of it, you're, you got to find stuff. For those of you who don't, imagine turning off the lights and your eyes haven't adjusted yet. You know what I'm talking about? Middle of the night, maybe you're trying to feel yourself around. Where there's no vision, people can get disoriented because they can't see. In this, in this case, it says the people are un restrained. Unrestrained could literally be, could literally mean to be made naked, to be made naked. So where there is no vision, people are made naked. Some of you are like, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that today. Meaning you will, you'll run wild. You'll run wild. If you don't have clarity to the journey, if you don't have clarity to the journey to what you're pursuing, you'll go everywhere. You'll go everywhere. An older translation, some of you will remember this, says you'll perish. You'll die. Where there is no vision, you'll perish. Not physically, but there will be no life flowing through your life. No heartbeat. No blood. NIV translation says this. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And this is probably more true to the meaning of the text. The idea that there is no revelation means there's no word from God. Where there's no word from God, no direction from God, no oracle from God. The word revelation literally means to make known what was previously hidden. So the scriptures is our revelation of God to us. He revealed himself to us. So when we want to know about God, we look to the scriptures. That's what revelation means. When there's no revelation for your life, when there's no revealed direction for your life, no vision, you'll live crazy. You'll live in the who cares. Live and let die. And you probably know some people that are like that. They're just living wild. It's because there's no vision. No vision. You'll cast off restraint. For some of us, maybe you've cast off your marriage because there's no vision for it. Cast off your dreams. There's no vision. Your kids, your finances, because there's no vision. Here's what the message version says. Just so you know, the message version of the Bible is not a translation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the English translation, but it's helpful sometimes for us to understand things. It says this, if the people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble over themselves. If they can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. The reason why some of you may be living in chaos is because you aren't pursuing and moving towards what God is doing in your life and around your life. But when you attend to it, when you attend to what God reveals, you'll be blessed. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, dog races before or greyhound races, um, but dogs are usually chasing after a mechanical rabbit that's going around the track, right? They're not, they're not competing to win the race. They're not like, oh, I want to beat the guy next to me. They're not thinking like that. They're just thinking, I got a, I got a target to shoot for. I got a rabbit to chase after. I'm going. Now, I heard the story more recently um, of uh, a dog track where it malfunctioned and the rabbit broke or fell off or stopped moving, and the dogs didn't know what to do. 
right? Because they have no target to shoot for. And so some of the dogs jumped the, the fence and went into the middle field and just literally started running wild and crazy. If you got a dog and they do the zoomies sometimes, they just kind of like zoom around. That's what some of the dogs did. Other dogs just stopped moving, lied down on the track, and took a nap. And then some of the dogs looked towards those who were watching and they started barking. And I'm thinking that's kind of a little bit like us when we got no vision, Right? And some of us, we jump the track and we just go crazy. We, we throw off the clothes and we run wild and crazy. Some of us, we lie down and we just take a nap, right? We got, we got no vision for our lives, so we do nothing with our lives. We just sleep all day. I got nothing against naps. I love naps. I got young kids. Naps are essential. They don't come often, but when they do, they are godly, okay? Now, some of us, will, we're like the, the dogs that bark at the crowd, right? We just start griping and complaining and barking at everybody because there's no vision for our lives, we need vision. We need revelation. I use this word a lot. You'll probably hear me being redundant about it. We need purpose. You need purpose for your life. And this is in the Bible. The Bible reveals this in more ways than one, God's purposes for your life. And I say all this because we're going to look at four purposes over the next four weeks in this Heart for the House series to give us direction and in a way, hopefully drive life throughout our body. I believe there's already life here. I believe there's already purpose there. But sometimes when there's a target to shoot for, it makes things a little bit clearer, right? Chris Hodge is a, a pastor and author and um, co-founder of ARC in the United States, conducted a focus group of a few, I'm not sure how many, but a few unchurched, non-Christian individuals. And he had them, he paid them each $100, I think it was, $100, to sit and have him tell them God's purpose for their life as revealed in the scriptures, and then they were to help him put it in words that they could understand. And so this is what they came up with at the end of it all, is four words, four phrases, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. These are the words a bunch of atheists used to describe God's main purposes for their lives. And when you think about it, each of these purposes, oh, they are on the screen, are woven within the scriptures. You see them there, right? You see these all the time. Um, and they work in succession, beginning with no God, right? You can't, you can't make a difference until you discover your purpose. And you can't really discover your purpose until you're on a path to finding freedom. And you can't really find freedom in God until you know God. But once you know God, then you can be on a path to finding freedom. And once you're on a path to finding freedom, you can discover your purpose. And once you discover your purpose, you can make a difference in God's kingdom. And if you've been around churches long enough and you've heard mission statements long enough, usually they're these, but just put in different vernacular, right? different words, different phrases. At Parkway, for a while, we had re re restore, renew, release, right? Restore, renew, release. Restore, know God, and find freedom, right? Renew, discover purpose, or find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, release. My, my previous church, ours was love, lift, launch. It's the same principles because they're biblical principles, but they're just packaged differently, right? They're in phrases that, that we use um, differently. The direction, the methodology may be a little bit different, but the principles are the same. So I know someone's, someone's probably thinking, is this a vision series? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, this is what we're going to shoot towards as a church and as individuals, but are we saying that these are words and phrases that we're going to use? Not necessarily. That's not the point. The point is that people can see God's purpose for life because if people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble over themselves. That's the point. If people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. And I want us as individuals 
And as a church, when people say, hey, what's, what's your church about? We can say, hey, I know exactly what my church is about. We may not use these words or phrases, but we just can just say exactly what our church is about, and we can be coherent and harmony, and we can be on the same page. So know God is the principle that we were created and purposed to know God, first and foremost. Um, emphasis on the known. We're going to look at that today, specifically that one today. Find freedom is the principle that there's a level to which you can know God and exist in relationship with him, but still be stuck in your mess. Right? All of us, before we met Jesus, to some degree or form, were messed up. And then after Jesus, we were free from our mess. But some of us are still stuck in it. We're all, we're all freed from our sin, but sometimes we get hung up in, in sin. Am I right? But we want to see people as Parkway Church find freedom and to no longer define themselves by their mess. You may still, you know, you get muddy once in a while. I, I live in a construction zone right now, so we're getting muddy once in a while, but I don't define myself by the mud. I define myself by the God that's in my heart. Amen? This is the discipleship step. It's the sanctification work that comes throughout the journey of walking with God. It's the process. The third is discover purpose. Once we know God, once we've taken the steps to find freedom, um, we can discover a purpose. Psalms 139 says, God made our inmost being, that he knitted us together. He made us and he formed us and he has a purpose for us individually. And when you think about it, we're all created differently. We all look different. We all act different. We have different abilities, talents. Our DNA is different. The Bible says in the New Testament that God has given us each a spiritual gift for the common good, that he's given us um, a part to play in the body of Christ. There's a purpose for our lives. And finally, make a difference. God's ultimate plan for our lives is that we live in our, our life in such a way that it makes a difference in our world. That's Jesus' final command before he ascended into heaven to the disciples to go and make more disciples. Go and make a difference. Because when you tell somebody about Jesus, you introduce someone to Jesus, their lives are changed. It makes a difference. If you look back on church history, hospitals, universities began out of Christianity, out of faith. It's making a difference. We want to make a difference. So, so let's look at the first one today, know God. Um, I remember the day I first laid eyes on my wife. I remember the day like it was yesterday. Um, I was out west touring um, with a group, an organization that went into high schools and did motivational presentations on purpose and value. And so I'd been traveling for a few months going out west all the way um, to the coast of BC. And then when I returned, it'd be a few months since I had been in church. And so I, I stepped into church and it's Sunday morning, so I'm worshiping, but I hadn't been there for a while. So I'll admit I was looking around to see who was around, right? I, I know it was a long time ago. Don't don't hold it against me. But I was looking around to see who was around, and I noticed um, with my friend was sitting somebody I didn't recognize, but I recognized that she was very pretty and she was worshiping Jesus. And so I thought, hey, I got to get close to this girl. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm being real. This is, this is me. I got to get, she's totally embarrassed right now. I got, I got to get close to this girl so I can get to know this girl. And so I went on a pursuit to getting close to this girl so I could get to know this girl. And eight months later from that day, we were engaged. And eight years later, we are more in love today than the day we married. Come on, that's good. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Woven within the scriptures is this notion that you can get close to God so that you can know God and be in a relationship with God. You see it first in the beginning, the creation story of Adam and Eve. God creates and he creates and he creates until finally he creates Adam and Eve, the crown of creation, mankind, different from all the rest, created in his image. And he placed them in what is known as the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that he walked with them. 
After the serpent, we know as the devil, deceives Adam and Eve to eat the fruit from the tree which they were not supposed to eat. The Bible says that God, they heard God walking in the garden and they, they hid from him. They physically hid. So there's this tangible, physical sense of community and relationship that existed with God in the garden. To the degree that their choice, their disobedience ruined that. And God has been on a pursuit to bring us back to the place where we can be in that close proximity relationship. That's the story of the scriptures. You see it further throughout the stories of the New Testament when, when God's people would rebel and turn their backs on him. There's this, this constant rhetoric that you hear God speak through the prophets. Seek me and find me. Seek me and find me. Turn to me throughout it all. You read it in the commands of the Old and New Testament when it says to love the Lord your God with all of our being. It's old and new. You see it in Jesus, in his life, and in his interactions with people, most importantly, the cross, this idea of closeness to God. The New Testament says, because of the cross, I prayed this earlier, that we can boldly approach the throne of God. This is significant. If you think about a kingdom, and you think about a throne room, a mere peasant could not approach the throne of a king in a kingdom boldly, in any sort of bold fashion. Only those who were of like blood, a relative, could do so, and even then it had to be done honorably. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his resurrection, the scripture says that we can boldly approach the throne as if we're family. And then throughout the scriptures, you see this, the descriptions that God is our father and we are his children, that, he, that we are the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. So throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, there's this notion that God and humanity are to exist in close proximity and in relationship, intimate relationship with one another. Sin broke that, the cross restored that, and now we're called back into that relationship to know God. John 17, verse 3, it says this. This is Jesus. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Jesus prayed this in a prayer after his final meal with the disciples. And he was praying for what he was about to accomplish on the cross. He was praying uh, for the disciples specifically. And he was also praying for every single person that would hear the message the disciples would bring, including us. And he prayed that we would know God. And when we're, when we're talking about, when we're speaking about knowing God, we're not speaking generally, right? This is not the knowledge of some, like, I know everything there is to know about the maple leaves, which I don't, right? I, I don't. Or I know everything there is to know about bird migration. Any, any bird? No? No, I'm not either. I don't. This is, we're not speaking of the knowledge of something. We're not speaking general terms of the knowledge of someone. When you say, yeah, when someone's like, do you know them? You may say, yeah, I know of them, right? I know about them. I know all there is to know about Justin Trudeau. I don't know. I know enough to make decisions, but <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. We're not speaking of that, of general terms. We're speaking of knowing in the sense of relationship. Knowing in the sense of relationship. When Jesus talked about knowing God, when he prayed this, that they would know you, he used a word, know, um, that in the original language is called gnosko, which carries the connotation to know intimately. To know intimately. That they know you intimately. Jesus used this, or sorry, not Jesus, the Jews used this as a polite term to describe when a husband and a wife would get close together and make a baby. So when Jesus is saying this, the Jews would be shocked because to them, they believed that God was distant and far off and abstract. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, no, that they know you intimately, like a husband and a wife know each other intimately. 
The deepest sense of relational intimacy is to the level which we're called to know God. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. It's deeper than just the knowledge of someone. I know some of you. I've talked to some of you, but I don't know you deeply. You know me. You hear me talk, but you don't know me deeply. We can know about God, but the condition for eternal life is that we know God like a husband knows a wife intimately. Intimately. And if we think about that, intimacy creates security. You feel safe. It creates openness. You can be fully open. It creates transparency. Nothing is hidden, all is exposed, and that's okay. Because of security. It creates joy and fulfillment. So what is God's purpose for your life? That you know him like that. Not just about him. Not just information. Not just knowledge. But a relationship. And it's our endeavor as a church. It's our heart to structure ourselves in a way that people can come to know God. And that we can know God. This might mean that we use terminology and language that's a little weird to us in church because it's not Christianese. I mean, you know we speak a little Christianese sometimes, right? But it's, but it's what unchurched people can understand. This may mean that we do things differently, like get a few people to dress up in Paw Patrol characters on Easter Sunday and, and throw a bunch of eggs out so that kids can run and find them just so we can get people to know God. And you're saying, well, chocolate doesn't, doesn't get people to know God. I wish it did. Believe me, I'd be, I'd be throwing chocolate at people. But it gets people on the grounds. And it gets us interacting with people. And all of a sudden, Parkway's on their map. And so maybe they go through a crisis. All of a sudden, they think, hey, I can, I can go there. This happened to me. I think it was my second or third week here. A woman was driving here. She was in a crisis. She was either going to go to her place of business, or she just felt, she didn't realize, in her spirit, felt in her spirit, I just got to go there. And I had an hour and a half long conversation with someone. That's my hope. That's our hope, that we can do things and structure ourselves in such a way that people can come to know God. Yeah. So, so Jesus said in John 17, 3 this, and I want to give you another example. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this. I'm going to be on the screen. It says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says Lord. It's not enough just to declare the name of God. You can post it to Facebook and Instagram all you want. You can tell people you're Christian, but it's not enough just to say Lord, Lord. It's not enough. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only the one, if we jump back to Proverbs 20, 29, verse 18, that says, who attends to the will, who attends to, to what he's doing. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, many, not just a few, not just a good chunk, lots, lots. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform miracles, then I will tell them plainly. This is Jesus talking. I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. There's that, that word that Jesus uses again, that in the original language means to know intimately. I never knew you. Yes, you did stuff, but I never knew you. Jesus is not looking at what we do for him. That's, that's a part of it. That's not, that's not eternity. Eternal life is not contingent on the role you play or how well you play the role. It's not looking at how good you are. I can't stand before God and say, well, I preached and I prayed and people got saved and people were transformed, people were discipled and I, I shook people's hand and smiled and I opened the door a lot and it was, it was great. That's not what he's looking for. I never knew you. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship. He's looking for relationship. What is God's purpose for your life? People are always like, I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. So that you know him intimately. 
That's his purpose. We're always trying to chase after something else. No, 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 no. Do you know him? That's the first purpose. I just want to know you. He's not looking at what you did. He's not looking at you drive out demons and, and, and see people get saved. He's, he's not looking at it. He's like, I want to know you. That's great. That's good stuff. But I want to know you. In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Jesus writes to seven churches, the magnificent seven, as I like to call them. And to one of them, the church in Ephesus, he says this, Revelation chapter two, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. I know your deeds. Yeah, you've been doing lots of good stuff, good stuff. Easter egg outreaches and you know, running inflatables in the sanctuary and, and Paw Patrol. Yeah, you've been doing good stuff and yeah, you've been giving back to the community and you run youth programs and, and, and kids ministry and yeah, it's good stuff. But you've for, forsaken. Forsaken your first love. I want to know you. It's not about what we do. It's about the love that we have. We are to be people in love with a very living God. That's it. So how do we do that? How do we come and uh, know God intimately? These are not the only ways. I'm just going to give you three things, and then we're going to pray. Three things that are a good start. Number one is that we need to learn how much he loved us first. We need to learn how much he loved us first. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. You are able to know God intimately because he loves you intimately. You are able to know God intimately and love God intimately because he loves you intimately. Since creation, since the first sin, the original sin, God has been pursuing humanity with intention, purpose, dedication, and faithfulness. Like I was with, you know, not to compare, God pursuing us to me, pursuing Jody, but like I, I was pursuing Jody. She'll tell you before, you know, before all this happened, we married and kids and all that, that she wasn't really interested, but I think it's a lie, because who could not be interested in this? <laughs> but she'll tell you, that she'll tell you she wasn't very interested, and even if that's the case, I want her over. I want her over. So let me cross-compare this, right? God wins you over with his love. You love him. Because he first loved you. So you want to know God intimately? First learn how much he loves you and how he loved you first. Number two is pursue him with all your heart. God said this in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me. You want to find God? Seek him with all your heart. Pursue him. Chase after him. Bible says, or we can see throughout the scripture that God is chasing us. I heard one man say, God chases us, but he likes to be chased. He likes to be chased. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. We do a few of those really well. We do the mind thing really well. Some of us are, we hang out up here a lot. I do that. I hang out in my brain a lot. Our intellect, we like, we like to know things. I want to know all about God. I want to know, you know all the scriptures if you want. The enemy knows the scriptures. He knows them better than us. And he'll use them against us. Not just your mind, your strength. You're like, yeah, well, I tear down chairs and I move chairs. Great. Your spirit, your soul, your heart. Everything in you has got to love God, Jesus says. 
Your mind needs to pursue him, yes. Your strength needs to pursue him, yes. Your soul and your spirit, yes, and your heart. So you pursue him like you would any other person. Compare it to like you would pursue someone relationally. You want to get to know God intimately? Start chasing after him. Think of him like that elusive you know, person that's just playing hard to get. Like, I'm going to get you, God. Pursue him. Learn how much he loves you first. Pursue him with everything in you. And number three, very simply, is give him your life. Not just, not just your Sunday. Give him your life. True knowing comes with real commitment. When you give your life to God, you can come to know him intimately. Give him your life. That's his first purpose for your life is to know him, to know him. And that's our heart for the house. Get it, get it now? That's our heart for the house. That we would be, would be people that know God and we would facilitate people coming to know God. And so when you ask, well, why do we do this? Why do we do it that way? Well, we want people to come to know God. Why do we do that? Well, that's different. Why do we put in, you know, neon lights around a cross? We didn't do that back in the day. Yeah, we didn't do it back in the day. But you know what? A lot of people do that now. And if we can have someone come in here and be like, oh, that's really cool, as opposed to that's really religious. I don't want people, actually, my brother-in-law was here the other day. He's a pastor. Um, and uh, he comes in, he's like, your church does not look churchy. And he's seen a lot of churches. He's like, it doesn't look churchy. That's good. Because when someone that's not churchy comes in, they don't see churchy. But they can still meet a very real God in that building. We want, we want to facilitate people coming to know God. That's why I'll often invite people, I'm going to do so in a sec, give people an invitation to know God. Because I know that many of us in here, we know God, but maybe, maybe there's someone who doesn't. Maybe there's someone who doesn't, and maybe, maybe today they won't give their life to Jesus, but maybe next week they will, the week after. Say, so why do you always give that invitation? Because I want people to know God. Because if people can know God, it's not up there, then they can find freedom. And if they find freedom, they can discover their purpose and then they can make a difference. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and maybe you're here today and you're, something's stirring in your heart. You're like, I'd like to know God. I'd like to know God, not just about him, but I'd like to know him in intimately. I'd like to know him like you're talking about this morning. I wanna, I wanna extend the invitation to you this morning. I'm gonna count to three. Nobody's looking around. And after I, after I count to three, I just want you to slip up your hand. It's that quick, quick commitment that says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna give him my life. So if that's you today, there's a stir in your heart. One, slip up your hand. Two, three, nobody's looking around. You're here today. You're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. Yes, awesome. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I need to recommit my life. I've been living the Sunday dream, but not the weekly but I want to know God intimately. I'd like to recommit my life to him today. I'd like to, I'd like to start fresh. So that's you today, just raise your hand. It's giving that sign of commitment. It's like, I'm ready to do this. I'm all in. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Can we just all pray together? Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you like you describe. I give you my life. Forgive my sin. Change me. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. That's it. It's, now, it's not the prayer. 
It's a commitment. You know, that, that can change your direction. You, you, you take a turn on a road, it changes your direction, but it's not the turn. It's the continuation on that road. And so if you rededicate your life to Jesus today, that's awesome. The Bible says that there's more celebration in heaven. I'll say this every week if I have to, over the one over, than the many, right? The father, the prodigal son, some of you know the story. The son went off and he squandered his inheritance. And when he came back, the father was waiting. He ran out to meet him. That's what the Bible says. That's what our God is like. He gets excited when people give their life back to him, to know God, because that's our purpose. That's our purpose. I want to pray for you one last time, but listen to this. The heartbeat doesn't beat at random, but it can actually sync up to the music you listen to. More importantly, it can sync up to those that you love. And my prayer is that as Parkway Church, we would come to know God to such a degree that our heart would sync up with his heart. Our heart would sync up with his heart and his heart, biblically speaking, is that people know him intimately. And so we need to be people who know God intimately and who facilitate people coming to know God intimately. That may look different for every one of us, but that's the purpose. You with me? Let me pray for you one last time. Father God, we're just grateful that we can gather this morning. Thankful for the word. God, thankful for your scriptures. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people who come to know you intimately. God, who pursue you. Lord, we'd be people who learn how much you love us, God, how you've chased after us, but we would in turn begin to chase after you more intently, God, maybe, maybe with more intentionality or purpose in our lives. And I pray, God, that as a church, we facilitate ministry, we facilitate, you know, this, this Sunday morning expression and whatever you want to call it, Lord, in such a way that people would come to know God, regardless. Lord, as has as been prophesied over this church and spoken over this church, that this church would be a light to this community, I pray that it would be. That we would be a light, God, not the building, God, the people would be a light in such a way that people who are far from you, God, unchurched, atheistic, God, people would come to know you. God, those who are searching, maybe those who are chasing after purpose and meaning, but have yet to find it because they don't realize that they, you've placed eternity in their hearts, that they're created in your image, and so what they're chasing is actually you, but they've been chasing the wrong things. I pray that they would come, God, through these doors or through an interaction with someone here today. Maybe it's at a workplace, God. Maybe it's on a bench, Lord. Maybe it's, maybe it's at food land, God. Maybe it's in Sarnia, grab them, whatever. They come to know you by interacting with people who know you in the name of Jesus. We bless you, God, and we exalt you. And we thank you, God, that you're a very real God. And Lord, we can exist in a close, intimate relationship with you. It's not about knowing you. It's about being intimate in that relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we bless you, God, and exalt you. And everybody said, amen, church. God bless you. Go and be someone who helps facilitate others to know God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.